Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 147, episode one of Your Daily Zeitgeist! Yeah! A production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's share consciousness and say officially off the top, fuck the Koch brothers, oh. fuck Fox News, fuck Rush Limbaugh, fuck Buck Sexton, fuck Ben Shapiro, fuck Tucker Carlson, Ugh. fuck American fascism. Why does it sound like macaroni in a pot? <laughs> that is, I don't understand. It's, anyway... Oh, gross. Not my favorite dish, anyway. It's Monday, August 17th, 2020. My name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. Somebody once told me that COVID's gonna kill me because I'm gonna play at Sturgis. So where you're coming from, I guess you're also dumb with that MAGA hat on your forehead. In a week we start coughing and we don't stop coughing. Fuck go. rules and we'll all fall into coffins. It makes sense I'd die for some bummer fun. Your lungs give out, but Dr. Fauci's dumb. No mask for you, no mask for me. So let's get on the bike. I'll take the bitch seat. If you don't die, if you, you don't, <laughs> you won't die if you don't go. Go! <laughs> you won't help me do all this blow. <laughs> hey, now we get COVID. Fuck us we're lame hey now we'll get covid get the show on get paid it's okay we're bummers oh and uh, we, nah, nah, nah. i don't know i i lost it there uh that was courtesy of travis stockstill i lost it like five seconds in the american butcher pushed through and i'm thrilled to be joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Miles Gray. <clears throat> Somebody once told me the left wants to control me. I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. But they were looking pretty dumb. Social distance, MS on Antifa won't control me unless I'm dead. Well, the bikes started coming and they never stopped coming Started breaking rules and the virus was stunting Wouldn't be sturgis if we didn't have fun Fuck it being safe cause we're all real dumb So much to fret to all my peeps Yeah, some folks might end up six feet deep But you'll never know if you don't go We might die but liberals get owned Hey now, you said fuck war Get your chaps on and pray Hey now, this is not smart Hope we all have sick pay Once the virus took hold We realized it mainly kills the holes Alright, see? And wow. I'm sweating So yeah. that, that was a lot of effort But you know what? Okay, you let me go through my entire failed AKA Without, it without was a bagging it, it was like scripted, you know? Yeah. It was like scripted. I was wow. like, oh my God. Because I had oh this Christy, I had this Christy one sitting in the hopper, uh, submitted last week, and I was getting through all the other AKs. But I, you know, I, I follow you now. So all is fair, all is all is well in Zeit Gang World. Thank you again for this masterful AKA submission. And we are thrilled to be joined in our third seat. Uh I think we can say this the newest addition to Mount Zeitmore. She yeah, is... but like without being problematic, like uh, acknowledging <laughs> that Mount Rushmore itself is problematic. So like I've I've seen some suggestions like you know maybe we need a different monument to to make our mm. thing. But you know the the not shitty Rushmore, right? Okay, <laughs> yeah, the latest addition to the Mount it? Zeit of Fame, the okay. Zeit of Fame. Oh, that's good. Mount Zeitlipis. Yeah. Mount Zeitlipis. Yeah, Boom. there we go. Uh, we got there. 
She is the hilarious, the talented, the brilliant Bridget Todd. Yay! I'm so happy to be here, and I'm We're I'm so sad I didn't have, have a uh, a Smash Mouth song. To... <laughs> <laughs> what if I busted out a Smash Mouth deep Hit cut? It. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh, oh, great to have you, Bridget. How great to be here? Are you quarantining? How's it going? Same old, same old. You Teenin'. know. You Does know, DC feel a lot better? Like, do, do you feel like, do you have faith in your city? Like, because I have no faith in mine, sadly. I'm like, oh, God. Y'all, I think it's a good question. I think DC, I if you would ask me a few weeks ago, I would have had complete confidence in our ability to to curb COVID. Now, I go out for like a walk. People, people, it's like over. People are out at bars. People are doing oh their thing. God. Oh, I bars like are open? Bars are open. I think they're they're supposed to have social distancing measures in place, but none of the p- places I've seen have that. So we'll see how right. it goes. Okay. Yeah. Koreatown has a bunch of like tented uh, outdoor restaurant things going on in restaurant fronts uh, by my house, and they, it's apparently like inspired by Seoul. It's something that happens in Seoul. So uh, that's an idea. There's, oh, like there's... from how they were responding to the pandemic. I think. Or you mean like just what... generally outside eating? Yeah, just generally outside eating. I okay. Think. Yeah. It's supposed like, to be yeah. this past uh the next few days are supposed to be incredibly hot, uh, as we're recording this in in the southwest where we live. Yeah. yeah. Well I was gonna ask, how is how has it been having the transition to more outdoor dining and you know, outdoor bar options when it's so mm. hot? I don't know. I don't go out. <laughs> right? I just feel bad. I don't I feel bad. It looks like, uncomfortable. Then, I don't also wanna be the kind of consumer that it's like such a weird double-edged sword because I understand the need for people to work because our government is not just saying, here, we're going to give you money to stay safe so we can just end this pandemic like other countries have done or you know, at least limit the financial impact of just staying safe. Here, it's like, well, if you can't stay safe, then you're going to have to put yourself at risk. And part of me feels bad of like even being a consumer who would... Uh, help a business rationalize that they need to put their own employees at risk. But then it's like, but they need money. So I'll just take out. Thank you so much. I will leave a tip, but I will not stay here. I don't, even if it's outside and it's safe for everybody. And I don't need to be doing all that. Cause I can, you know, I, I feel the same way. It's such a weird dilemma of, so, so far, I mean, I've done takeout, but I've not really gone to any restaurants or bars and, yeah, it is. It's I want to be a good consumer. I understand that people who work in the service industry need to make a living, but I don't want to perpetuate this idea that's like you need to die serving me, right? Yeah. I don't want to perpetuate that. So I don't I don't really know what to do. But I don't have an answer. That's why it's just like I'll just, you know, just leave tips and at least I can say like I've contributed to the financial well-being of the business. Hopefully they're doing right by their employees, but I'm not at least presenting the physical, you know, threat or risk you know because of just you know the the nature of transmission and things like that not that i'm you know been around that many people but that's just things i want to think about you just got to consider everybody right absolutely it's especially tough. like if i'm eating like i don't need to be like well this would have tasted better fit like 20 minutes ago there on the spot you know like you, you, we, we adjust that's why i don't you know yeah oh i gotta take out chicken and waffles did not travel well, so, so uh, I'm, yeah. I'm learning. I'm learning which foods don't travel well. Or shout Fresh out chicken to chicken travels waffles do not. 
Yeah, waffles. <laughs> it's well, then some places know like if you have fried food, like you can't just have the lid on or else it steams in, and now you have no crunch. So right. shout out to places that cut the corners on the boxes or create some kind of ventilation so my crispy stays crispy. Um, but yeah, it really is just about like, yeah, how do I help like support the places I normally go to and I see dated like I would normally be patronizing, but without being risky with it. So yeah, yeah. 2010, 2020 problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, Bridget, we're going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. First, we're going to tell our listeners a couple of things that we're talking about today. Uh, we're going to talk about the USPS uh, going around, just pulling up some of the uh, mailboxes around cities in Oregon, New York, um, Montana. We're going to talk knows about where else. Yeah. We're going to talk about the uh, senators being rescued by the Chamber of Commerce. We're going to talk about more evidence of lead, Crime Link. We're going to talk about the Fresh Prince being rebooted as a different genre, uh, all of that. And then we're going to get to our rewatches. Mm -hmm. uh, but first, Bridget, we like to ask our guests, what is something from your search history that's revealing about who you are? Something from my search history that is revealing about who I am is who did Ramona Singer vote for? If you watch Real Housewives oh. of New York, Ramona Singer is a um, iconic cast member. I believe she voted for Trump. Oh, yeah. uh, she's you believe she did, right? I'm after a Google deep dive. I'm like 99 percent sure. So she's like the proto Karen, right? You know <laughs> yes. what I mean? Like Turtle Time. Fuck out of here. I was like, yo, it's Trump time. It's MAGA. It's been MAGA time with her and Mario. Right. I'm like, get out of <laughs> here. You're disgusting. The way she treated. Um, what's homegirl? Jill Zarin. Don't even get me started. You know, that's when I was like, I don't, I don't like this. I don't like this at all. And people, you know, they're like, you like Jill Zarin? I'm like, yes, I think she was sensitive and she shouldn't have been on a reality show. Uh, but whatever it is, you know. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I was reading this article that was going into all the different Housewives franchises to see who voted, who, who people think they voted for. And I, I went away from that thinking, I think Ramona Singer, I think she, like you said, she's the prototypical Karen white lady. She had this post on Instagram a couple of days ago where she was complaining to the mayor of New York that she had seen two different men with their pants around their ankles. And she was like, the city is, you know, out of control. And I was just thinking, you know, we've got COVID, we've got people who are unemployed, we've got so much going on, and this is what you use your platform right. to complain about? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm. Oh, okay. Well, so we'll also have to throw Jill Zarin on that scrap heap because she took a <laughs> dope ass selfie at the Trump inauguration. <laughs> oh, did oh she? Oh my God. Bye bye Jill to Zarin. everybody. No. Bye bye. To, I mean, I don't, we shouldn't be surprised by anybody who's making, you know, a million, like who has a million, $3 million home in New York. Like at a certain point, wealth begins to be like, I don't know what my politics are aside from like not paying taxes. Who do you <laughs> think Bethany voted for? Bethany Frankel. Oh, I don't think she, I don't think she voted for I think for she's Trump. liberal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Bethany, she, look at, huh? okay. Yeah. Look okay. at what she's doing with her charity, Be Strong, you know, chartering okay. planes to help Puerto Rico. I feel like a Trump supporter wouldn't do that. Right. And if she did, right. yo, she's next level. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, what is something you think is overrated? Something I think is overrated is a little bit personal, which is grad school. Uh, I am a PhD school dropout. And while cleaning my apartment, I found an old journal from when I was in grad school. And reading it, I was, y'all, I was so broke and I hated my life so much. So I'm going to say grad school, overrated. How long oh, ago did man. you drop out? I dropped out of grad school, God, like 10 years ago. So kind of a while ago, mm -hmm. kind of a while ago now. 
Um, I so went that's to enough univers- distance. Yeah, yeah I went, that is enough distance. I went to University of Maryland College Park, and I was trying to get a doctorate in African American women's literature. Okay. Um, yeah, it was looking back like. I really reading reading this old journal entry. I had a flood of all these memories of just being very broke and also working as an adjunct. And in Ooh. the journal, I describe going to a, a meeting with like actual professors and adjuncts, where the professor at the end of the meeting was like, "Bridget, would you like to take these bagels home? Because I know you're have no money." And he was right. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That would be the same way if I look back on like when I was a PA. Uh, and like, you know, just doing like my like Hollywood odd jobs where like, yeah, very much like someone who had me on a shoot be like, hey, you want to take the crafty home, man? Because I know you got roommates. And I'm like, I would, sir. And thank you so much. And thank you. Even thank though you these, kind, sir. Even though these Popeye's biscuits are harder than hockey pucks, I will drop some water in them and bring them back to life in the yeah. microwave. Thank you, sir. Yes, you want to be insulted, but you also, you know, want But low that. key, you're like, fuck yeah, I'm going to take this shit. I'm broke as fuck. Are you kidding me? I'll, I'll take the loose potatoes, too, because I could I could fuck with those later. I'll make hash browns. I don't know. But just, I'll, yes, I'll take everything. <laughs> loose potatoes. I remember what, very specifically. What, what were you PAing on? This was another. Oh, well, first of all, when I used to work on Hell's Kitchen, the Gordon Ramsay show, oh, okay. they would oh, let okay. the. Uh, they would let that the production sense. staff, they would let us have a, the ingredients that they would use for the, the night's challenge every day. So like, I, I remember one night I brought home, I'm not joking, a motherfucking hefty like construction shopping bag full of shishito peppers. Wow. Oh my God. That's too many. Like, it's not even, Yeah, you can't. how do can one man have so many peppers? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but like, that was like the vibe there. And it, but there, there is an excitement when you get the, the potatoes was from another shoot. Uh, and that was to do with California Chicken Cafe. And they were like roasted potatoes. And I was like, I can just make like little potato patties out of potato pancakes with these when I get home, put them in the food processor. That's what I did. Oh, my mm. God. I don't want to derail the episode, but I'm obsessed with Gordon Ramsay and I have so many questions. So this many episode oh. has no rails, by the yeah. way. I think you that... heard the intro, right? <laughs> can, I, can, can I? Can I just ask you one heard thing? Heard my AK. <laughs> you heard, yeah, I mean, you know this show. Yeah. But thank you so much. Yes. Yeah, well, that... Normally, we are so focused. <laughs> um, but for this one moment, I will indulge your question, Bridget. Yes. Okay. Is it so? I I have watched all the Gordon Ramsay properties. Yeah. Same. On the kids show, he's so sweet to the kids. It's it's mm-hmm. adorable to watch him interact with the kids. But as you know, on the on the adult show, he's his whole thing is like being kind of mean. Is it an act, or is he actually kind of a gruff person? He's well, it, okay. So I didn't work on MasterChef Kids. I know someone that did, and says he, he's he's. I mean, he's overall a kind guy. That's what um, I've heard. He turns it on when you're cooking. Then you enter his world, where now he has a take on the shit you're doing. Like if you're just walking around, he's gonna be like, "Oi." What's with your hat? It's not like, you know, it's like when, so for example, on the, one of the seasons, I worked on two seasons of Hell's Kitchen. Um, on one of the seasons, he changed the craft services company uh, two, I think three times in the season because he felt the craft meal wasn't up to his standard for what wow. the crew should be eating. So like he would come by and just taste like, like sort of make a small plate of whatever the crew was eating. And then the next day there'd be a new crew there. And we're like, what wow. happened? They're like, he didn't like the food. Let me ask you this. Have you ever seen that video of him, of him having another chef taste his pad thai? And he's so, he's so excited to get- Oh, and the guy's like, <laughs> this? Yeah. It's, it's, it's bad? The best. 
Yeah, well, because it's like a Thai chef who's like, bro, this is some like <laughs> this is whack. I don't know what this is for, but like, don't this is I'm gonna take and this he's disrespect. sad. <laughs> and Gordon so Ramsay's sad. He's so sad. The guy, uh, the guy, he's like, he's like, what do you think about it? Do you like it? Do you like it? And he goes, eh. And then he's like, uh, well, you know, what do you think? And the guy's like, what do you want to know about it? He like, what do you want to know? What do you want to know about it? Is you should not definitely look it feedback up. It's great, for. yeah, because like tables, it's so it's such an inversion of power of what you're used to seeing in any kind of Gordon Ramsay clip. That's so funny. Um, the the most delicious food has ever been to me is working as like a busboy or a dishwasher in the kitchen, seeing like all this delicious food and just being broke and hungry. And then, like, getting a plate of French fries with hollandaise sauce or some oh, shit yeah. like that. So, oh, another thing too, Hell's Kitchen. So, you know, I don't. Well, it's 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 a reality show, but you know, quote unquote reality. So, like, sometimes the 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 servers like walk away from the past, like as if they're going to put food on a table, but they aren't, and it's just for the shot. And they walk straight through the set and go to this other back corner where they'll just put the plates down and the. The knife fights that we had over those plates. Oh, that would be yeah. like They're like, I mean, you got the, you got to taste the duck last <laughs> night. I never had duck. I'm uh, gonna try it, and then you're like, this shit is so good. And then you just, but it is so like that good, moment where man. you're like, when, what, where do I have to be to eat like this all the time? But that <sighs> still like affects my taste in food. Is like, I, I love French fries with hollandaise sauce. I love Italian food because I worked. Like when I was in high school, I was a busboy and a dishwasher at an Italian restaurant where they had like solid food, but like that food just looked so good to me too, that it right? just like yeah, just the the dream of that that's, food. Was like, that's the reason why I love Domino's is because when I worked at the laser tag place doing kids' birthday parties, yeah. that was the pizza place we had to deal with. So if you had the birthday, we'd be like, okay, so we could order from Domino's, and whenever you'd clean up half the time the parents don't want to take back like a half a pizza so we right. take it in the back and the starving high school kids devour the shit out of it and i remember like you would have 10 minutes between your like three o'clock party and your three fifteen party and oh, i would yeah. have to fucking like like condense five slices in like a like a baseball and just like <laughs> eat it like that eat it like but an it, apple but it was like so good too to the point where like i always have those memories of eating dominoes and be like this is sustaining me until a massive celebrity can then watch you clean up and be like, yeah. Yeah, there have been a few. Uh-huh. Dr. Dre, yeah, made me wild uncomfortable. Oh, have you talked about that? Harrison I didn't know Ford, her name and name. Harrison Ford caught me with uh, my pants down because I had ice cream or I had ice cream cake all over my pants that I had to, like a kid threw a slice of ice cream cake at my crotch. Uh, and I like, I needed to clean, like, because you, in one day at my job, you would do like three or four birthday parties, like in your shift. And so in between them, I was like, I can't go out there. Like, I need new pants. So I was like furiously cleaning them. And Harrison Ford came the back door and like just like opened the back door. And I'm there with my pants around my knees, like a washcloth, like scrubbing the crotch of my pants, like in my underwear. And it's him and Callista Flockhart. And he has like his like sunglasses and he dropped them, like (laughs) sort of like to look at me. And he goes, Is this that laser zone place? I'm like, uh, I'm like, I was like, the entrance is in the front, Mr. Ford. And he's like, and he just didn't even say thank you. He was just so like, if yeah. I think I fucked his day up. Um, but <laughs> like you can that's a whole podcast. Masturbating or whatever you were yeah, doing. Yeah, like there. whatever yeah. this is, you freaky freak boy. <laughs> masturbating with ice cream cake. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah, looking at Callista, he's <laughs> like, I told you these kids are fucked. <laughs> uh, what is something you think is, are, are we on underrated? I, I don't even know where we're at here. Yeah, I think we're at underrated, right? Okay, what's something you think is underrated, Bridget? 
something I think is underrated is, particularly in these trying COVID times, watching just a feel-good movie, you know? Yeah. I, I watched um, An American Pickle, if you've seen that on HBO oh, Max. Oh, yeah, everybody's been saying hearing that good is, yeah. things about this. Yeah, I typically like a, I like, give me a dark documentary about some fucked up shit, and I'm very wow. happy. Um, but the last few weeks, I've been watching a lot of, like, feel-good, fluffy movies, and, you know, the world is fucked up enough. Why, when it's time to watch a movie, maybe watch something that's a little bit escapist. Yeah, yeah. that, hey, straight up facts. Mm. I mean, Desperados, uh, as we'll get into, that's a, that's a fun one. Good, good letting off steam. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I hear American Pickle's very good. I hear it really makes you uh, feel like Seth Rogen is one of our great thespians. I think Anna Hosnier was saying that I think her exact words were, fuck Daniel Day-Lewis, Seth Rogen's our finest actor. Yeah. Yes, and I'm going to say something else that might be a bit of a hot take. I mean, Daniel Day-Lewis isn't ours, and either is either Seth Rogen, to be honest. He's Canadian. And <laughs> right. Daniel Day-Lewis is Irish? Welsh? Or English? Irish. Yeah. Irish, yeah. I think uh, Seth Rogen, kind of handsome. Can get it? Yeah. I think he can no, get it. No, he's English. Sorry. No disrespect. <laughs> or no, he's born, I don't know, British and Irish. That's what it is. He's both. Daniel Day-Lewis? Yes, wanted to make sure I got that right. I, when I say our, I just mean hu- the the human race, Miles. Oh, I'm very regional. So yeah, like yeah. When I say our, like I'm talking about like you know like our like Somebody LA from or the California. Valley. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like you're not from the valley. <laughs> uh, Bridget, finally, what is a myth? What's something people think is true you know to be false? Okay, so this again is a little bit personal, but. When Biden picked Kamala Harris as his running mate, I got a flurry of text messages being like, oh, aren't you related to her? And your first your first thought might be racism, but not true. My mom is an AKA. She is a, she went to the, she is okay. a member of the same sorority as Harris. And anybody who is also an AKA, people like Gladys Knight, people like um Ta- I think um Tony Braxton. Mm-hmm. My mom my mom will say, "Oh, so and so that's my sister, meaning her sorority sister, but uh, she doesn't she doesn't correct them. So there has been a little <laughs> bit of a, a Todd family lore that a whole host of black women that we've never met are my mom's sister and my yeah. aunt. <laughs> because my mom has been feeding into this myth that she is related to Kamala Harris. <laughs> she is not. We've never met. <laughs> I like that, though. Oh, you really must meet Kamala. She's uh, good people. We're, Miles and I have hung with her. Before. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. She came by uh, once. The Ron Burgundy podcast. I was thinking like weed, and I was like, mm, uh oh. Uh, yeah. uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> the photo, I look like it too. I'm like, I'm behind California's former top cops, thinking like that dead body. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, AKA is like skull and crossbones for the. I, I, I didn't know about AKAs, but it's like all these famous people. Oh, yeah. Dude, aka Twitter went the. F- I was like, oh shit, it is a movement. Fuck around with the intersection of Howard Twitter and aka Twitter. Ooh, yeah, <laughs> that is yeah. that is a yeah. move. That is a lot of impressions. That's like someone at a marketing company is like, how do we get that kind of energy on this new campaign for Sparks Energy Liquor? <laughs> <laughs> I want to see numbers. I want to see HBCU Twitter intersect with AKA Twitter and liberal politics Twitter. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> hey, man. All right. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Uh-huh. 
And we're back. Uh, and really quickly, we want to check in with uh, the state of the United States Postal Service. H- how we doing, Miles? Um, so there were like images going around where there were Postal Service trucks like loading up those iconic blue mail drop boxes like off the streets and taking them away. Yeah. Uh, and there's a few images of that in New York City, Eugene, Oregon. John Tester, the senator of Montana, he sent a letter to the postmaster, uh, Louis DeJoy, basically saying, like, what is going on? He's like, apparently over a dozen post office drop boxes were removed across the state. And this is with the backdrop of the president is trying to fuck mail-in voting so he can do everything he can to try and hold on to power. And this is like, it's just so cynical to be like, okay, we're going... It wasn't just enough that they were fucking with sorting machines and sorting machines are being removed, which a lot of people are like, this has to be felonious now at this point. Oh, yeah. This is this is like in every imaginable way just tampering with the mail. But there are ways they were like Louis DeJoy said, like, there have been some unintended consequences of like the restructuring that's going on and using really shitty euphemistic language. Um, but then there are other spokespeople from the Postal Service saying like, well, you know, like we're just trying to be efficient and like when there aren't that many drops at that location, then like we just realize that it's easier to do that. So then the routes are shorter and da, 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 da. But what it looks like and what it is, is you're just being like, we're going to limit even the places you can even leave your mail-in ballot. Right. Yeah. What Did did some other uh, service have to open up a Dropbox there that they needed to get rid of those? Like what? It's I don't no, understand the lot. I don't know. It's I mean, there's also like there's something going on where uh, that the postmaster, Louis DeJoy, is like has some kind of entanglements or something to do. And I don't mean entanglement like in the Red Table Talk version. Uh, <laughs> shout out Austin. Austin but um the like but actually like he has amazon stock like oh he, yeah he's like, a he saboteur straight up yeah and it's just sort of like this is but this is where we're at where you're being like yeah bring in the corporate raiders to like sort of take our infrastructure to the point where now it's like okay now we'll let's privatize it and sell it off and there we go someone's got to check now so are it's we just so gonna fucked. say that everybody has to vote in person like let's just do that as a <laughs> Like well, what? like LeBron is like trying to get. They're making the like Dodger Stadium a, just an enormous polling place. That's um. Right. They're like you know some people are trying to do things, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, granted, what does that look like with COVID, and how does that align with any kind of a wave, a second wave, or I'm are, are there a second wave like in this country? I feel like we've just been riding the same big ass wave. So I think we're at the tip of the second wave with. with wave of deaths right so we'd be looking at third wave jesus christ uh, yeah i don't know so yeah like all of that together yeah you're it's it's really a dilemma for people to just say like okay wait hours in line um possibly in the cold depending on where you are during this pandemic uh just so you can avoid this i don't know the further acceleration of uh, the authoritarian takeover of america Right. Yeah. And I also think, of course, this presents such a, a, a horrible challenge for voting. You know, people who are chronically ill or immunocompromised, they like they rely on mail in voting. And then even beyond that, fucking with like fucking with the Postal Service is going is going to derail so many lives. Right. Yeah. Like my dad, my dad is chronically ill. He gets his medication through the Postal Service. If we're going to if we're going to accept that massive delays on this essential service is okay for Trump to get another, you know, term in office. 
it's going to be derailing the lives of people who really depend on it. People who live in rural communities where, you know, sending something would cost an, a, an astronomical amount through something like FedEx. But the, the USPS, it's, or the United States Postal Service, you can just send it for the cost of a stamp. Like, we are, be, even beyond the implications for the election, the implications that this has for just the, our way of life, it's just, mm. it's just so deeply, deeply demoralizing. And, yeah. and it shouldn't be acceptable, but what is being done? You know, like, where do, where, where do we, like, what can we do? Right. Uh, that's, yeah, that's where we're slowly arriving at that point where it's like, damn, like, we got to start striking, taking over the streets. Like, what, what is the recourse? Because on the other hand, like, the politicians are sort of left with, like, just writing letters to the postmaster being like, what the fuck is going on? Right. Like, it can't just be that. Like, yeah, the fuck, I mean, they're, this is, this is straight up fuckery. And it's it's messing with people's lives, like to your point, medication, social security checks, all kinds of things people need the postal service for. Uh, yeah, I don't know. If like, Trump, if they do get Trump out of office, if we do get Trump out of office, if anti if like we, people who are fascists, <laughs> yeah, but just like uh, the America's non-fascist community gets him out of office, like we need to spend. The next four years just extinguishing laws that like because all of the shit is just like it's really been like a stress test that just shows all the ways that you know when somebody's in power they can just you know you use right. that power to kind of move, move us towards fascism and he's Definitely. not gonna be the last one like we're no, you're going to get someone like Tom Cotton or someone who's a little bit more articulate and who understands like DC politics better and how you can actually go about these things rather than just being so mercurial and like impulsive and just be like, I don't know, I hate that fucking underlay, underlay, mommy, EO, EO, uh oh, executive <laughs> orders. Like, it's just fucking, it's like, that's when we're going to be in trouble with someone who actually knows how to work the levers because Trump yeah. just knows how to work the media and that's. And the people, but like that's the only thing that has kept us from like fully being like, whoa, where he's bombing U.S. cities. Yeah, yeah, it's so depressing. Honestly, listening to you talk, I was just thinking about all of the different. I don't even. I don't even want to call them scandals. All of the different things that Trump has done. That if any other president did them, he would be out of office. It would be mm -hmm. some. It would be we would be having Over. like a national reckoning. And there have been so many. It's like how, how do you even. So yeah, now it's the post. Now it's the postal service. He went on TV and pretty much admitted, yeah, I'm fucking with the postal service so I can win the election because I want to win the election. He pretty much said that pretty plainly. Like, what's next? Where does it go from here? Well, the natural extension is right. Like for so long, the people of good faith and morals will rely on that to say, no, if we just stick by our guns, that's that's how we win. But when you are dealing with people who constantly are not playing by the same rule book, eventually that's going to drag the other side into the same. Like, they're like, OK, fuck it. So it's just it's just dirt fest now. Like it complete like just corruption on both sides to counteract the. It's just that's like the I feel like the completely runaway train version where it's like, yeah, the only logical thing is like, OK, then we got to cheat, too. Yeah. And I think that's just that's when it fully, you know, uh, things fall apart. Who would normally be stopping this? It would be like the postmaster general, like the the head of the post I mean, the postmaster office. general wouldn't probably wouldn't even go do the things that are happening right now. Right. You I'm know? just so, trying to figure out like 
in the version where like norms save America from this sort of just like chasm of, you know, just dark corruption and like, you know, right. where, where nothing matters. What, like who is supposed to be coming in and being like in a normal presidency, like Bridget was saying, who, who would be stopping this? Just the, the opposition party, like Mitch McConnell, if it was a Democrat would be freaking out. I, I guess I just don't know how the country works. <laughs> maybe maybe I need to do that. It's do, a good question. I I don't know. I don't know. In, in a normal situation, who would be the person to put a stop to this? But honestly, the, your question just speaks to the way that our normal, the things that you would think of as the normal checks and balances have just stopped. We don't have yeah, that right. anymore. They just don't work anymore. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I'm, I guess he can be impeached. Right. Like, could, you know? could we try and impeach him again? For this, oh, I'm I talking. Guess. Oh, but I think you can impeach the uh, postmaster general. Oh, right, right, right. That's possible, okay. but I, but I don't know. But you probably know, not like, before the election, and that's what they're counting like, on. They there's too many calculations happening, you know, to yeah. the point where it's like, well, what do we expend our political capital on? Like, is it the, is it to try and get relief? But now the Senate, they've gone on recess, so we're like, I don't know. It's <laughs> honestly, I, I, you just on the Zoom, you just like threw your hands up, like, oh, I don't know. That's how I feel. I feel like, yeah, the, 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 we live in a country where the top down message we're getting is like, good luck, you know, we can't help you. Hope you don't get evicted, but like, maybe you'll figure something out. But anyway, I'm going on recess. Bye. Like, then, like, okay, yeah. so what? We have to pull up to your house now? Is that the right? Because you didn't take it seriously it all. enough is shocking like is there some reason they have to go on recess why why aren't they just like working 24 hours a day because they couldn't come to a deal over the last couple weeks and like i think they're they're looking at like fuck it whatever let's see what like maybe they'll come back to the table maybe we'll get (sighs) bad enough in the polls that then the republicans will want to make a deal but either way it's fucking around with people's lives um, and you really should be no matter what, like, I mean, you can't expect a single fucking thing from Republicans ever nope. at all. No. So that's why you're like, okay, so how shitty are the, are like, is the leadership on uh, for the Democrats too? Like, can you please show people too, that you, everything you're trying to do everything then sort of like, well, we tried and we offered this or whatever. Like, I don't know. There's like, we haven't gotten to quite the screaming point of like, the fuck is wrong with y'all? Uh, which like slowly, I feel like some uh, we've seen some senators and Congress people like break to sort of like admonish their peers, but you know I don't know. It's it 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 almost feels like you're starting to see how disconnected some of the even the leaders on in the Democratic Party are from like what their lived experiences of ninety five percent of American people. Right. Absolutely, definitely. So, I mean, and that's where you're like, Ugh, this is all the I, thing stinks. I wish that. You know, as someone on the left, I wish that our leaders in the Democratic Party and on the left were not so fucking toothless. You know, it's right. like, like, what are we going to do? What are we doing? How how are? And I, I I'll give that we are in such unprecedented times with a with a president like Trump, but it just feels like nothing's being done. It feels like, and I I guess I and I think I'm speaking from a place of like extreme sort of disaffection and you know just. I don't even know the word for it. I'm so exhausted even just like thinking about this. But, you know, when I see on Twitter Democratic politicians like 
putting out a spicy tweet about something Trump said or did. And I'm like, this great, but this isn't helping me. Yeah. Right? Like, right. This, this tweet is cool. Awesome. You dunked on him. Good job. But like, how am I going to pay rent? How am I going to have right. health care? Yeah. You know, because the world the world is happening off that screen. Exactly. You know what I mean? And like you're 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 not going to people are going to big you up because you had the fire clap back tweet. They're going to you know, you the, people want to see you like in the district talking to people, trying to work it out. So even if you have to you're like saying, well, whatever I can't do at the federal level, let me get in my district and see what I can do for the people of my district, too, because that is all that is the point. You're there to represent the people of your district. Um, but I think that's just the thing is like we're needing to see a shift in the what motivates someone to get into politics because bef- this all the older people that are in there now are like have ties to business and it makes sense for them strategically to get into politics for like the benefit of themselves. And then you have some people who truly are public servants, but we need more like I'm ready to I'm ready to rock the fucking boat over Absolutely. type people and like that's what we have you know and like that's why i think the 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 dnc wasn't looking favorably at people like like the squad and things like that because they're not here to play nice and they're like uh you know there's like real problems like you know what i mean like poor people are going through it i think we're gonna see a real shift like a, a real shift in like who becomes politicians just general generationally like the yeah. values because this is you know i mean anybody who's paying attention and is not completely disaffected and completely just given up and is just trying to, you know, make a power and money grab uh, right now is disgusted with with what they're seeing. Um, I mean, you were you were pointing out like the Chamber of Commerce shit, like yeah, just how I mean, like that's working with exactly. Uh, like, so you look at it all, right? You know, Jody Ernst from Senator from Iowa, Tom Tillis from North Carolina. Susan Collins from Maine, uh, Corey Gardner in Colorado, they're all uh, the beneficiaries of massive ad spends from the Chamber of Commerce. Now, the Chamber of Commerce is basically uh, the the gang that business owners join up. Right. And they say, well, okay, we're the chamber, bro. And like, look, every, every city has their own local chamber. And that's all the business owners who like, you know, we're a network of business. You know, it's like some very nice language, but really- they're there to be like, don't fuck our money up. And if you, if the politicians start doing things that fuck our money up, then you're gonna hear from the Chamber of Commerce, right? Um, and especially with, and now you look at the these senators, right, and how the Republican Party has been operating, especially through the pandemic. They've been like rah rah, like reopen everything. Who gives a fuck about masks? Like, I think the problem is we need to get back to work. That's too very many much regulations. Cha- too many. That's regulations exactly the what problem. the Chamber of Commerce wants. Like right. they want the message to be, we got to reopen because the Chamber of Commerce, they represent many of the business o- owners who are like, by any means necessary. Not to say that there are small business owners that absolutely need help and are also saying like, I need to open for the survival of my own business. But these, this is this is a very disingenuous bunch. Like they're commending oh, yeah. these people. So they said for Jody Ernst, when asked about like, well, what's going on with like, you know, it looks like you spent about $350,000 in the Cedar Rapids and Des Moines area. Uh, that's a lot. Uh, and saying the U.S. Chamber of Commerce is supportive of this common sense solution that will lower prescription drug prices for Iowa seniors and families, particularly crucial in light of the of the COVID-19. The COVID-19. Yeah, they wrote the the issue advocacy <laughs> campaign highlights the business community's support for Senator Ernst and her willingness to fight for Iowans on these important issues. It's not that she was out here being like, let's try and recklessly reopen things and put workers at risk. They're like, 
because we can't bigger up on that. Let's use the thing and make this about prescription drugs, even though that's mm-hmm. why we need her there, because we need somebody to cape for, you know, the business class. And again, I do want to reiterate, though, with the reopening stuff, because I have people in my life who are like trying to reopen their business and going about it one way or the other. But the pressure really needs to be on the government to support the businesses. And I feel bad for business owners thinking that they need to open and make money the way they were. That's not the way it sh- that's that really is should not be a responsibility given this pandemic. The onus is on the federal government to say, do not put any of our citizens at risk. We have we'll figure it out. Don't do that. But that's I mean, that's not that's not America talking. You know, what absolutely. I mean? You know, I so when I, I know it's very tempting when you see these pictures of like young people out at bars, out at restaurants to be like, tisk tisk, you should you should be at home. But the point is, these places shouldn't be open, right? If we lived in a if we lived in a country that had a strong federal government, we would have some sort of system worked out where people it would be incentivized for people to do the safe, smart thing. I feel for these business owners who don't really feel like they have a lot of choices and they aren't really getting any kind of guidance from the federal government. In a lot of cases, they're not getting good guidance from their state governments, right? Mm-hmm. I absolutely feel for them being put in this impossible, impossibly complex situation that they did not set up themselves and having to navigate that. That's I feel for them, but I think we need to do, it's important to keep in mind that it is not the fault of the business owners and it's not the fault of the people who who like are like, fuck it, I'm going to go to the bar. The The blame should be on the yeah. government and their failure to be leaders in the moment when we need it the most. And I think yeah. we have all of these little tricks and things to get us to forget that and to be like, oh, well, I blame this 19-year-old girl yeah. who went to a bar without a mask or what have you it's like right. no the 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 it's very tempting but i think it, we need to continue to remember that the people who are supposed to be keeping us safe in this moment have just thrown up their hands and thrown us to the wolves yeah it's like it's having like a my- babysitter who's like letting the like babies play with matches and they get home like what the fuck happened like i don't know man the baby's playing with matches like, <laughs> i don't know i fuck them she's like you are the babysitter sir they're there like to Miles make sure it doesn't have that it's like you were saying earlier, man. No one man should have all those peppers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no one man should have all those, all those peppers. peppers. I've really f- 21st century Shishido man. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, it's dumb. it really but I think really that for business owners too, that's a very specific mindset in this country too, which is very much a bootstrappy entrepreneur who's like I can get it on my own. I'm going to do it on my own. And on that on the other side of that it's you're less likely to actually go like, hold on a second. It's not act this in this moment. It's not actually on me to right. make sure my business is surviving. But that is a very like culturally inbuilt way of thinking of like, well, I got to get my, I got to make sure my business is going like, you have to consider this piece that the federal government is being so negligent. And I think the actions that you take is to organize your community to like really demand a response from your local leaders or whatever and go up there because that's, you, I I know no other way. Like, if anything, you'd hope that this radicalizes the small business owner owning class to realize, like, oh my god, this is such a fucked up way of doing business. Like in this country, especially without the federal government offering any kind of support to us as business owners, the PPP loans fucking vaporized, and so many of the people who needed them didn't get them. So, yeah, it's 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 hard, and it's just it's just really disheartening to see the lack of care from the government, and it's also because. The kinds of people running this country don't live in the same earth we do. Right. All right. Let's take a quick break and we'll come back and talk about some uh, some bullshit. 
And we're back. And uh, so, Miles, you watched uh, something that was in the Netflix top 10 uh, at the end of last week. Work it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I rewatched one of the top movies of the summer on Netflix, Desperados, uh, which mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't have a, like a ton to say. Uh, it has one of my favorite moments of physical comedy in a long time. Which uh, moment is that? I'm not gonna. I can't do it. I can't okay. do it to him because it's like it would fuck it up if yeah. I even said anything about it. Yep, 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 yep. yep. Uh, but it just very unexpected. I I watched it a few weeks ago, and it's like <laughs> that. The premise is so like intense, you know? Yeah. Of yeah. like being like, we gotta get to Mexico now. Uh, yeah. What? Because what's the deal? Like she sends a wrong. So email. she sends an email. No, she sends. She gets drunk. Oh, so this dude. Right. This dude is ghosting her. They have sex, and then five five days go by, and he is not like calling her, not responding to anything. Uh, and so her and her friends get drunk and send a mean email, which is a very funny like scene. Like, it cuts deep. Yeah, they're, like, they're going for the deep. throat. Yeah, talk about his thin dick. Uh, <laughs> says your dick is bad. Uh, <laughs> I really like Nassim Pedrad as uh, like a romantic comedy lead. She's she's funny as fuck, and like the you know she is she plays like a a really like kind of not a shitty person, but like a person who's just like flawed. in a very yeah very flawed, yeah. and you stick with her and root for her, even though like she's kind of openly shitty during the movie. Um, not to not because of that. The dude who uh she's like really into is just he's like a like a bad James Marsden character, light like if right you know like just like kind of a real like bland a s- stock bag. photo of a stock photo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I know the type. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the stock photo of a stock photo with <laughs> bad thin dick. Uh, the with but BTD. It's uh yeah they're like dirt bags. It kind of made like her and her friends are kind of dirt bags, and it like makes you. It sort of made me wish that they had just gone full like I don't dirt. know dirt bag. <laughs> yeah, like it because they're they like go back to the rom com side of it, and it's just like man, if this wasn't if the lead characters weren't women, I feel like they would have gone like just, it would have just been a funny, like raunchy comedy. I wonder if that was a note that they got when this, when this movie was being developed where they're like, you know, like it's a little too like raunchy. Right. Like, can we right. make it a little more rom-com? But it's like, no, like that, that yeah. go for it. Cause it's, there are some funny moments in it. Yeah. There are really funny moments. The one thing, so I would say that, that it keeps going back to like the romantic thing where like she needs to find a guy and like even at the like climax, she realized she doesn't need this guy, but mm-hmm. then it goes back to her like going with another guy and it's just like, why did we need to, all right. Um, but that, so that's one thing that I feel like holds it back a little bit. And the other thing is that like she falls down a lot and faints a lot and like, I don't know. Like that that on one hand that's like a comedy trope, but on the other hand it's like so kind of forced in a lot of situations that it feels like like do you remember we watched uh the cinematic masterpiece 365 days uh the uh-huh. second most popular Netflix yes. movie uh which of the of the summer which is just porn basically it's like mm-hmm. soft porn uh from Poland, but that like we were talking about how the lead character in that 
the the woman uh has a heart condition and keeps fainting like for oh, no yeah. reason and we were just like why does that happen like that's just very strange it, it's never really followed up on and like in this she keeps like passing out she meets uh the, her like supposed dream guy stock photo thin dick uh when she's like passed out and it reminded me of like one, one of the weirdest things when you go back and watch snow white is like every time she like a good thing happens for her she's literally unconscious like the the prince comes and saves her when she's like uh in a coma the dwarves like fall in love with her when she's asleep in their bed like the animals like really like her because she's passed out from like fear it's like it's this <laughs> weird like trope that i feel like comes from like the male gaze in movies where women have to be either passed out or like clumsy and like hurting themselves in order for men to like be into them, which uh, made me slightly uncomfortable because it just kept, uh, kept happening. Yeah. It's very predatory. It's like, you know, the the ladies got to keep around who are like stumbling and in need of help. Right. Exactly. (laughs) That should not be. Or just passed out cold. Yeah. Yeah. We want our women unconscious, fellas. Am I right? (laughs) Whoa. What What happened on your Mexico trip, Dave? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know what? We're going to pass on this one, man. This is a little too real for us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But, anyways, uh, I really liked it. The moment of. Like the the thing I really like about the moment of uh, physical comedy that apparently didn't get you the way it got me, but uh, is that it's like a thing that could only like you you need a movie budget to pull this joke off. Um, yeah, and that's that's all I'll say. That the uh, the house has a similar thing in it that has like one of the hardest like moments of physical comedy, but it like uses movie effects to do it. Right. Um. Anyways, the hotel uh, I recognize because I have this weird thing where I like to look at hotel deals across the world and then I get obsessed and I look at all the photos. I believe that is the Albert's Resort in Cabo San Lucas where Ah. uh, President Barack Obama uh, once stayed. So that's just a fun, yeah. Did he do that, you think, just because Esperanza. As a fellow OB last name, he he was a... No, oh, this is A U B A U B O B A Yeah. Okay. Uh, I've just noticed a lot of similarities between the two of us. So. Uh, ah, yes, yes. OBs. Um, <laughs> Miles, you watched. I watched Work It. How was uh, it? You know, I gotta stop watching movies that are like not meant for adults. Um, <laughs> I've like done it like six weeks in a row. I feel like, and it's. I think it's fucking me up. I think it's only two, but yeah. Yeah, like, I don't even know. I'm losing track. Well, you know, also, like, on my free time, because, like, I realized I watched that other dance movie that we were thinking about watching, like, like very passively. So I consume a lot of media very passively. Anyway, this film, um, it's definitely, like, a, a movie, like, if I was, like, 15, like, that's who it's for and younger, because it's about this, like, girl who's in high school. She's, you know... She wants to get into Duke. You know, Duke is her school. And mm. when she, uh, you know, she goes to her, uh, like, interview, like, the woman who's giving the interview is sort of like, mm, I mean, you got all these good grades and stuff, but, like, you don't really seem like you're going out your box or whatever. And then she mentions how she, like, is, like, works with the dance team that's, like, well-known in the state because, like, they're the most lit high school dance team. And she's like, oh, oh, so you're part of the the dance team? And she's like, um, I, I 
contri- I contribute to it. And really, the opening scene is like you realize she's like the AV person for the dance team, and like she fucks up majorly in a performance and spills coffee on the light, like the board, to do all the lights levels and things. That starts sparking. But the logic continues where the stage starts sparking as well. Yeah. And there's like, that which is my happen. favorite thing. Like, look, if you get, <laughs> we all know this, you put anything liquid on electricity, sparks shooting out sparks. the motherfucker yep. immediately. And if it's oh, yeah. connected to that, even 50 feet away, <laughs> sparks. Get Explosions, ready, Nicholas, because it sparks, baby. If a uh, car also, is anywhere nearby, it's going to explode. Oh, every time. Every yeah. time. So, you know, as she does, and then so there's the 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 dance people like, okay, you're off. Like you can no longer, you know, work with us as the AV person. So she's shattered. And then in her interview, as she sort of like sort of roundaboutly implies that she's on it, they're like, oh, well, that's great. So if you know, if 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 that's really your thing, then I'm like, I think this really improves your chances at Duke. Like, you know, I just want to, you know, like can't wait to see that happen. And like, so like every formulaic film, there's a big, obviously, competition that She's going to have to be in to get into Duke. Um, but then things fall Usually apart. Usually it's to save a orphanage. This is so a girl can get into Duke. Yeah, and this is where it gets <laughs> kind of weird because she's like relying on her friend who's a woman of color to be like, okay, look, I need <sighs> you to teach me how to dance. Oh. So I can get a- into so I can get into Duke, even though I lied. But it's now your responsibility, woman of color, to give me that rhythm so I can get on that dance floor. I'm like, okay. Uh <laughs> It's following in the footsteps of Save the Last Dance. Yeah, mm. exactly. It's and it's very much like every dance movie. It's the you know out of place, uptight, like bookworm or like not hip hop white person mm. who's like now with some other people. But the thing is, the main dance team she wants to get on, they don't want her anymore. So mm. there, and she auditions. It goes, it goes south. And then she realizes she has to start her own dance team with some like misfits yeah. at the school. And it's like I was going to suggest that. Exactly. And it's all the things where it's like, yo, the, the pasty kid who does karate, like he can he can get down to like he did a backflip at a pool party in eighth grade. I think Hell he'll be yeah. all right. And they're like, all right, let's get him. Then there's like a kid who's like selling cassette mixtapes, which I was like, who wrote this? Because <laughs> kids in high school aren't like, yo, you got that tape? Like the dude had you a better boom be box. selling the fucking uh, tapes deck with it because yeah, the fu- like, where the fuck is any kid gonna listen to it and i know like more like indie artists who are like millennials are fucking with like tape releases but like that's uh-huh. not that's not how kids are spreading their music anymore like we had cds they have spotify playlists and whatever the fuck else like they don't nobody's handing out physical copies i just want to say that there's one moment where the film fully it's just like like it's for kids there's like a moment where for them to get into the big the big competition where oh, yeah. that's where she would like the, you know, the, the real deal, the, the climax scene, they have to get through like the regionals and in the regionals, like they do okay. And then the last team goes up and like, they're like just smoking them. Like this team is so good. And then they're like, Oh damn, like we're out based on the other teams. Like we thought we would get in if, if we were the best, but this team's better than us. And there's like a deus ex machina moment where one of the dancers on this team, like rival teams, that's like about to eliminate them gets a fucking boner. So everyone's like, whoa, look, look. And they're like, what? And I'm like, when that happened, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? This the, one of the dudes has the wild boner. And they're and like, just yes. Qualifying? Yes. They're like, yes. <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And they're like, oh, that's boner or whatever. And they're like, in the guideline, the bylaws of the competition says they have to wear a dance belt. If you don't wear a dance belt, then you're disqualified. So we're in. And I'm like, what a the dance fuck? belt? Yeah, I don't know. I guess it's like a, a, a erection a, a reducer. Uh, so 
that's what and i was just like that is such a weird way to get into it but what? fine and i just like kind of rolled my eyes to the rest of it but the dancing was good i'll, I'll say that oh, they had like and it was like different they had like differently abled people break in they had like an older like i guess b granny now not b girl right. but like there's a scene where she's like this old one's like what are you guys doing and they're like oh no this like and she's like a like appears like a white woman older white woman and she's like, turn that shit up. And she starts like walking and shit. And you're like, whoa. So there, oh, it has yeah. like those moments like where dance movies they'll always have like, oh, this is when like the main characters, like their romantic dance that's choreographed that like maybe feels like Gen Z's, I don't know, dirty dancing or whatever the fuck it's supposed to be. But, yeah. you know, it's got its ups and downs. This is very much up my alley. I yeah. was on dance team through all of school, um, won many a trophy. That's there right, no big deal. Um, yeah. I took it very seriously. Yeah. Um, and I and honestly, I love it. I love a cheesy formulaic dance movie. I love yeah. the montage of assembling the mo- the like motley crew of like ragtag dancers. Yeah. And I inevitably, love- like the girl would like the white girl gets her rhythm scene. <laughs> <laughs> love it, love it. Like, go back and watch Save the Last Dance. The the audition that Julia Stiles does to get into, um, I think Juilliard. It's the most. Yeah. She's. It's like the most basic white girl dance of all time. She why would, sucks at dancing in that she movie. Sucks. But listen, why when I was first watching that movie as a young person, I was like, oh my god, she's so good. She's doing it. <laughs> yeah. Didn't you see like that? Uh, someone went viral just tweeting the video of that scene and being like, y'all. Have y'all really looked how she was dancing in this scene? And you're like, this is bullshit. And also, it's to a certain extent, violence against me. Because right. it was so swaggerless. They're like, oh, don't get the chair on them. And it's just like, oh, The chair part. The chair part where she's like. And she's like, 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 just looking on either side. I'm like, this is not dancing, but fine. And, she's, and Homegirl is supposed to be auditioning for Juilliard. <laughs> like, one of the top performing art schools in the fucking world. (laughs) Isn't the idea that like she's supposed to be like one type of like classical dance, but then like she like makes it like more Exactly, exactly. So she she if I remember correctly, she's like a like a like an uptight white girl. She moves, Uh she changes schools and she goes I might be misremembering this because it's been a while. She goes to like a predominantly black she moves to go to a predominantly black school. She becomes friends with a very early Carrie Washington. Yes, she was in that movie. Wow. Um and then she meets a, a black student, like a black guy, falls in love with him, and he teaches her to like open up and teaches her teaches mm-hmm. her, her how to express that through her dance. Yep. <laughs> it's so it's so bad, but listen, let this movie come on when I have a hangover on TBS. I will watch it from beginning to end. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Where's that that guy who played Sean Patrick Thomas was the main character, or he was opposite her. Uh, what's he been doing? Oh, not much. Oh, he oh, was really he good in Finding Forrester. It's the same guy, right? Or no, that might not be the same guy. What else was he in? No, that's only I mean. he's he like he doesn't have that many credits. He's from DC though. Oh, shout out to DC. Yeah, he's in a Justice League thing. Is he? What it says. I'm just looking Wikipedia. at Sean Patrick Tone. What else you got here? Oh yeah, okay. Uh, he's like cool a, intentions. Oh, he's, oh yes, that's right. He's he's the cello. Yes. He, that's who it yes. is. He's the cello instructor in Cruel Intentions. That's right. Where um he's got a little thing with Selma Blair. Oh no, he's been working. Oh, he's been getting. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just doing a lot of TV. He's doing. Yeah, he's Madam doing Secretary. Vixen. Yeah, got to get that NCIS in. You know what I mean? Are you really working out here if you haven't been on NCIS? 
You have not. You are not. Yep. And that's why uh, I'm not really working because I have not been on. Bridget, you did not get the memo about these uh, rewatches, but you did watch uh, American Pickle. Anything else you want to recommend that you've been oh, watching? Oh, I would definitely recommend American Pickle. I would, if you want, if you want a kind of like easy watching, kind of heartwarming PG thirteen. Like I went into it thinking it was going to be raunchier than it. You know, I see Seth Rogen and I'm like, oh, get ready for some pot jokes and dick jokes. But it was more like pickle brine jokes. But yeah. by the end of it, I was into it. Yeah. Um, a movie that I rewatched recently was Demolition Man. Totally Hell holds up. Oh <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you Not had to told us guy. that at the beginning of this episode, that's what this episode would have been yes, about. Yes. So probably. we watched Demolition Man on Netflix, and now all of our Netflix like suggestions are that very specific kind of '90s action movie. So we watched Total Recall last night, which there you go holds up. I think you know, still pretty good movie. Um, Demolition Man is the one I'm gonna recommend. It really, it really presents this very kind of like feminized like i guess when, when i watch a lot of movies that are sort of a, like about the future it's always sort of very grim and very dark and what's actually kind of refreshing about demolition man is that their predictions of the future it's like oh we've reached this sort of almost utopian like feminized society where you know everyone is so happy they don't even really swear and things like that like like that vision of society i was like oh wow it's interesting that that's what they were they were uh Presenting. Yeah, but it sucks because Dennis Leary can't do a stand-up routine in that world. Yeah. So. He's been rat burgers in <laughs> the subterranean driven, world. Yes, he's been driven underground. Yeah, yeah and they got to and they got to do like large-scale heists of Taco Bell restaurants just to keep the fam fed. Won't every... you please think of the Dennis's Leary, <laughs> yeah. the the white uh, raunchy comedians whose right. careers were crushed when Doctor Cocteau took over San Angeles? <laughs> That's right. You really remember that movie very well. Oh, that, that was, movie! That was... Oh, my dad took me to the theater to see that shit, and I was like, on a school night, I was like, "Yo, you're tripping, bro!" But like, fuck yeah, because I'm gonna go to school and be like, "Yo, I saw that shit. Fuck you." Um, and it, yeah, I love it, and also I love the director. Because we we started talking about like Demolition Man kind of came back around like heavy was that in the beginning of Core we were like really yeah. talking yeah. heavy about Demolition Man but yeah that director uh, Marco Brambilla like a great he's artist who fant- just like he's an artist man directed that and nothing else he was like yeah. I've said what I need to say yes no he just uh, when he tried to make his next film and they're like dude no that's too like out there and artsy he's like but I made Demolition Man he's like. <laughs> I'm an artist, and they're like, yeah, but this is the movie industry where like a bunch of people with no creativity are going to give notes and crush your dream. Crush your dream. Then then he's like, then I choose the door. And his video installations, if you ever have a chance to see any of Marco Brambia's video installations, they are like true masterpieces of like popular film culture where he's like stitching all of these different frames of films together in these like massive moving murals uh, that are typically presented in 3D. Um, Damn. And it's a trip. Yeah. That sounds dope. That sounds awesome. The one thing I will say about Demolition Man is that I don't think I've ever seen a movie with a hornier Sandra Bullock. The whole movie, she's just very horny. (laughs) Like she just like Like a rabbit. Like it's so like wide eyed, like "Mm, I'm horny. (laughs) Like she's very horny in that movie. (laughs) But she's allowed to be horny because their version of sex is uh like my you might get a you might get a fucking blood clot in your brain fucking with one of those things <laughs> i'm like yo dude let's do a you know what do you do chumble one or yo funk my chunky monkey whatever the hell he says like oh yeah. my god the, the mambo the yeah the <laughs> dirty mambo wait what's this you gotta put on this freaking helmet here we bone the like fact that? that he is the star of that movie is very strange to me. yeah like he's working with a great 
artist, <laughs> Sandra Bullock, peak peak Sandra. She went uh, to my college. She went to East Carolina University. She did not whoa. graduate, but she okay. went to go Pirates. Damn. Oh, Pirates! I like. Damn, what's with all the? I like. I like the the southeast and like the uh, the names of the mascots of the schools. Uh, well, okay, I like a pirate. I still again, University of Richmond Spiders. Oh, Just that's love, right. Yeah, I love spiders, so I got to get me a jersey soon. Um, well, Bridget, it has been as always wonderful having you on the Daily Zeitgeist. Where can people find you and follow you? You can check out my podcast on this very network. It's called There Are No Girls on the Internet. You can find me on Instagram at Bridget Marie and on Twitter at Bridget Marie in DC. Yeah, yeah. And is there a tweet or some other work of social media you've been enjoying? There is. It's by Sam Sanders, a fellow podcaster. He says, mm-hmm. A thing I've never been able to shake has been someone telling me that Train's Hey Soul Sister is actually about the first time you ever dated a black woman. And now you must carry this burden as well. You're welcome. Is that true? I have no idea if it's true. But if you think about it, it really makes sense. Oh, my (laughs) God. (laughs) I need to know if that's true now. I I don't. I got to go. That's too much to think about That is too much. Like the, (laughs) the... our democracy just devolving into fascism is one thing, but train soul, hey soul sister being uh, <laughs> too much for me. Uh, Miles, where can people find you and what's tweet you've like, been enjoying? Was he bigging himself hey, up? You know, soul privately? sister. Yeah, he's like, you know what I mean. Hey, hey, what's up, soul brother? Did I ever tell <laughs> you about uh, <laughs> this thing? I'm like, yo, I'll knock you the fuck out right here, train. Oh. <laughs> You know, I've been I've been with your kind. Like, okay, you know what? That's like that's the like a song like that purely is rooted in that kind of vision of what a human being is. Like, you don't you could just say you has you smashed a pretty person. You know? <laughs> Didn't have to bring all that other extra shit in. But you know, it's like that, that character on uh, Atlanta, the guy who has the Juneteenth party. Oh yes <laughs> a black woman and thinks he's uh, like but uh, so too real though, too real. Too real. He's like, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh gosh! Yeah, anyway. he's telling he's telling um, uh, Donald Glover's character like, um, oh, like your people have been through so much. Like you have a rich a rich history. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, okay, uh, Miles, where can people find you? And what's tweet you've been enjoying? I got my potato salad from Tony Braxton's Twitter account. I hope you like it. It feels like the kind of thing someone would say too to make you feel comfortable. <laughs> mm. uh, okay, so this is uh, what am I? Twitter, Instagram <laughs> at Miles of Gray. Uh, also on my other podcast, Four Twenty Day Fiance, talking about Ninety Day Fiance. Uh, and let's see, a tweet I like is actually from uh, one of last week's last week's guests, Mr. Thorpe, Posadas Trap God. He says, "Black Lives Matter signs in gentrified neighborhoods just be mm. hitting different." <laughs> it's true. Yeah, it's just very, very true. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. Uh, a couple tweets I've been enjoying from Alvin the Don. Uh, <laughs> tweeted, why is it so awkward walking back after you bowl in bowling? Um, and then he also tweeted, you ever bring your pet up to a mirror and you're like, that's you. <laughs> <laughs> Oh shit, that really sounds like some shit I've done. Underscore O'Brien. 
You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes. We link off to the information that we talk about in today's episode as well as the song we ride out on. Miles, what are we going to ride out on today? Man, this is a track from... Look, I like when artists, like current artists, just are so in love with like a aesthetic from the past. And they just like live that. And you can tell from like when the music they make, like it's just the one... It's like the language they speak. Um, and this... So this is from an artist from Nashville, Tennessee. He goes by the name Louis Prince. But it's like this... It's like electro-y, like 60s jazz, but kind of like new wave pop mixed. It just feels like, it, I don't know, like it just feels like something you'd see in a really dope movie. Like if you were watching like a great film and like sometimes there's like those scenes where like that song just like makes the scene and like someone cool is walking through a club or something. That's what I picture with this. So put these in your headphones and be the protagonist of your own film and walk through your neighborhood masked up, obviously. Um, and this track is called The Number 13 by Louis Prince or Louis Prince. I don't know. Forgive me if I mispronounced it. All right. Well, we are going to ride out on that. The Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That's going to do it for this morning. We'll be back this afternoon to tell you what's trending, and we'll talk to you all then. Bye. Bye. And what's left to find in this happy